This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. I'm continuing my series of candidates for the Fisher City Council. Today, I'm speaking with Bill Stewart, a Democrat and candidate for the Council South West District. So, Bill, welcome. Good to have Thank you. Thank you. Great um, to be here. And uh, Mike Fossold had uh, joined me in some of the early podcasts. He has family responsibilities, but I may uh, actually integrate a few of, of Mike's questions because he always asks us good Certainly. ones. Um, you currently serve on the Fishers Plan Commission, the Fire Merit Board here in, in Fishers, and you're a 30-year resident of Fishers, pretty close to my uh, mm-hmm. 32 years, mm-hmm. and we've both been here for a while. So you've obviously been very active uh, in the community for a long time. Why run for a city council seat at this time? Well, I like uh, I like government, as, as nerdy as that sounds. I, I like to help people. I've been working in government for my entire career, and um, the stars just kind of aligned. Um, we're empty nesters now, so I have a little bit more time on my hand. My wife was supportive, and, um, you know, and then I got egged on by some of my students. I'm an adjunct professor at uh, Ivy Tech and uh, teach government, and I harp on them every class, every semester to uh, they got to participate or guess what? My vote counts more than theirs. And so, you know, one student raised their hand and said, well, why don't you run for something? <laughs> kind of put up or shut up. And so, you know, I got to thinking and, um, you know, the opening came up um, for the city council and I said, sure, why not? I'd like to help. I think I have the tool set to, to be able to help. As I mentioned, uh, you're, you serve on the Fisher's Plan Commission. And the Fisher's Plan Commission, you know, I, I've attended some of their meetings mm-hmm. recently. Uh, the commission holds public hearings, mm-hmm. takes a vote as an advisory body, recommending a yes or no vote to the city council on, on certain projects. I'm curious, during your time on the Plan Commission, talk about some of your most difficult votes and how you came to a decision. Well, um that's a good question, Larry. I mean, it, you've just got to weigh the pros and the cons of every decision, and, and you've got to listen to the public comment, and you've got to, you know, try to do the right thing with every, you know, when I worked for Governor Kernan, that was one of his, you know, first commandments was do the right thing. And so, um, you know, the the pace of the growth has been the difficult challenge, and, and because we're an advisory body, we're just approving the zoning. We're not we're not really approving the projects, and so watching the pace of the growth has been, you know, some of the most difficult stuff. Um, because I really think the infrastructure needs to kind of catch up with our growth. Um, but really, when it you just peel it all back, you just got to weigh the pros and the cons and try to do the right thing. You know, you've um, you, one of the things you have been, it's on your website as part of your background, you've been a Homeowners Association mm-hmm. president. Twice. Which is, oh, <laughs> Twice. <laughs> which uh, they've tried to talk me into getting on my board, and I said, uh, i got enough to do already. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Giffel is on the council. He has proposed a citywide contract for mm-hmm. trash removal to save residents money. HOAs tend to have contracts, not all of them, but many mm-hmm. of them have contracts with trash removal services. Mm-hmm. So what's your view of this idea of having the city... Uh, hire one trash removal company? Well, I think it needs to be investigated. The trash, trash fees are too high, right? Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah. it's complicated because there's, you know, there's a lot of HOAs that have their own contracts. There's, 
There's personal preference that some people just, you know, want to choose their own. Um, so, you know, but I do think it's worth investigating um, uh, to try to lower the cost and be as frugal as we can with, with tax dollars. And um, so I would, I would agree. And, but we need to do it in a, you know, a way where maybe we put a study committee together and, you know, and really get into it and reach out to our HOAs and, you know, see what their thoughts are and see what the extent of their contracts are and to see if it's worthwhile or not. It may not be at the end of the day, right? We may not be able to get a better deal than the HOAs have, or the HOAs just simply may not want to do it. But I think certainly given where prices are with trash, I mean, they're too high. Yeah, with the waste management's acquisition of Rays, mm-hmm. that has meant, I think if I'm right on this, there are only two trash mm-hmm. removal companies offering service in Fishers right, right now, which, compl- right. which does complicate the whole, and the contracts with HOAs. I started the blog in 2012 and had a front row seat to the 2013 discussion mm-hmm. that uh, was was held about doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing that it was explained to people that they would save money. I think the, the, the contract Republic offered in the RFP was like $9, $10 a month, which was cheap at that time, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. But the response was interesting. People basically responded saying, don't tell us how to pick our trash sure, up. Sure. Of course, the city's bigger now. We have people moved in and out. You don't know how people feel now. But uh, the mayor has promised uh, a work session to explain the process. Mm-hmm. And it's not an easy process. It is lengthy and, and involved. So well, that would be the starting yeah, point. That would so. be a starting point. I certainly wouldn't want to push this on mm-hmm. anyone <laughs> if, if it's not wanted. Right. There are... Um, Many ways that uh, one can serve in government. Uh, the city council is, in fact, a legislative mm-hmm. body that uh, requires you know be, you being one of nine mm-hmm. uh, people on that council. And, and there are a lot of offices you could run for: summer executive, where you basically have a responsibility. The mayor's office would be mm-hmm. one, a township trustee, a governor, even a county commissioner. Where there's only three, still are considered more of a executive. Uh, responsibility. So you would be serving in a legislative body if you were elected to the council. So what you drew you to run for this particular legislative office? Well, I like the legislative body. Uh, and I've in my career path, I've worked, you know, 20 years in legislative bodies, right? So my first job coming out of, well, I shouldn't say my first job. You know, I was raised in my parents' uh, small businesses and worked in my dad's paint store for for many, many years before I got my first salary job, my real job was with a member of Congress. So I worked on, you know, I worked in first in constituent services in the Bloomington office, but then I got transferred out to Washington, D.C., and I worked on Capitol Hill, and I worked in the legislative branch there. And then when I moved home in 1990, I worked at the state legislature for about 13 years. And so I've worked in the legislative process. I like it. Um, probably one of my most um, thrilling jobs or bills that I worked on was the 2002 tax restructuring bills with Governor Kernan, Lieutenant Governor Kernan, where I was his legislative director. So it was, it was, it was a big deal. As you remember, um, we were converting by, um, uh, by order of the Supreme Court to transfer to a different uh, property tax system. We had to go to market-based, and there was going to be these big 
spikes in property taxes if we didn't do anything. And at that point, the Indiana House of Representatives was controlled by the Democrats and the Indiana Senate was controlled by Republicans and yet – and Lieutenant Governor Kernan just took charge of this and um, came up with a bipartisan approach and I got to manage the bill, if you will, uh, for Governor – for Lieutenant Governor Kernan and we were successful. We got it passed. It took a special session to get it – get it passed but, but you know, I – it was enjoyable. I liked I liked the process of building coalitions and working across the aisle and and solving real problems for for voters. Having spent time on Capitol Hill uh, as a volunteer for a nonprofit group, uh, I'm still amazed that people know how to get around the mm-hmm. Capitol, <laughs> the Capitol building, uh, all the office buildings. Getting lost was something I did on a regular I, basis, and I did too, even yeah. as a staffer. <laughs> I want to ask you about this because you say you've worked with the former lieutenant governor and governor, Joe Kernan. That was an unusual situation in this sense that Joe Kernan ran for lieutenant governor with Frank O'Bannon. And when Governor O'Bannon's untimely death mm-hmm. occurred, Joe Kernan was thrust into that job. Um, were you with him at that time? No, I was not. Okay. But, but I, I left him when when he decided he wasn't uh, – when he was lieutenant governor, there was a period of time where he didn't want to run for governor, and we all kind of scattered. And mm-hmm. at that point, I went to the private sector. Okay. And uh, but but I did not serve with him when he was governor. You know, I think that if you look at Fishers, the Fishers that you and I entered 30, mm-hmm. 32 years ago was a much different place. The nineteen ninety census had a seventy about a seventy five hundred population, mm-hmm. uh, but we have certainly seen a rise in the diversity in our city from when you and I first moved here. So I'm curious how you feel Fishers over the years and up to this point has handled this additional diversity. Well, I, I think we've done just fine. I, you know, I think our diversity is our strength and, and Fishers is much more diverse than it was when I moved here. You know, I moved here in 1993. Our population was, uh, 17,000 people, and it was mostly um, – we were mostly a, a white uh, community, and, and now we're not. We're about – my district is about 77 percent uh, white and, uh, and the rest a minority, and I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, Fishers – I want my children to be exposed and my grandchildren to ex- be exposed to all different cultures and – and have friendships with as many different uh, backgrounds as they possibly can. I think it makes it a, a, a better rounded individual. I think it makes a better rounded city. I do remember my, my daughters, and now almost, my twin daughters are almost 30 years old now, but when they were in first grade, they had a best friend named Yuki who was Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yuki could speak English and Japanese fluently. Mm-hmm. Her parents only knew Japanese. Right. So right. we had to had we to. had to use the first grader to interpret for the parents, which right. was a very this my first uh, encounter with a diverse Fishers right, at that right. point. On your website, your campaign website, mm-hmm. uh, the first issue that you list is economic development. You've touched on that already, is with your time on the Plan Commission. Now, based on what is written there, I would – just giving my opinion, and you can mm-hmm. speak for yourself, but it would appear to me you generally do support the city's strategy on economic development. So how would you characterize your approach? It may be the same or different from what the mayor and the current council are doing. 
Well, I, I do think we're moving in the right direction. I think our biggest challenge as a city is to fully recognize that we're not we're no longer a bedroom community of the city of Indianapolis. We are a city of our own. And by recent stats that I looked up this week, we are now the fourth largest city in the state, and we are um, 13,000 people away from passing Evansville right. as yeah. the third largest city in the state. So we're our own economy. And so we're kind of having those growing pains um, to becoming our own economy, but we need to keep attracting companies that bring high-quality jobs, high-tech jobs, so that um, we have residents that don't have to commute if, commute if they don't want to. And we have kids that are graduating from college that can come home to Fishers and work in, a, work in Fishers, where they grew up, perhaps. Um, but we need to have high-tech quality jobs to do that, and I think we're moving in the right direction. We just need more of it. It's interesting. There's a demographer that has worked with the local schools, HSC schools, for years, now, and Jerry McKibben. Mm-hmm. And Dr. McKibben has many times given presentations to the school board, and I've seen mm-hmm. them, where he says it's a, even if there are jobs that are here that people who send their kids off to college – it's surprising what how what a low percentage decide to come right. back, but you still need to have the jobs to have the city flourish. I think that's, that's, right. uh, that's right. I think that's certainly uh, what you're saying. You also list uh, in your website the quality of life enhancements. You mentioned mm-hmm. the parks, uh, the partnerships, enhancing the arts, and again, it would appear to me that you you agree generally with the city strategy uh, as a way it's working now. So, is there anything you would do differently under quality of life? Well, I would I would focus more attention on the Southwest District, right? I mean, the Southwest District is um, is the old some of the older parts of Fishers, right? And you know, some of our trails aren't connected. Um, we have you know those pockets of, of of properties that aren't in the city that don't have sidewalks in front of them, things like that. Um, I, you know, I I looked. I've, I've I've driven the Southwest District. I've knocked on a lot of doors in the Southwest District. Larry, you're going to find this surprising for me to say, but on a city-owned property in the Southwest District, there's not a swing set. Now we have some great parks in the Southwest District. Cumberland Park is a great soccer facility. The Nickel Plate Trail is great. The uh, Heritage Park is great. Um, Unless it's on school property, there's not a swing set in the Southwest District. So I think that's just an example of, um, you know, the Southwest District is older. Um, we need to invest some dollars into that district for quality of life projects. Yes, I do remember. You know, our, uh, my wife and I, our first house was was in Sunblessed, mm-hmm. and uh, when my daughters were young, we went to Holland Park all the time right. because we had a playground nearby. What you're saying is. In your district, uh, nearby playgrounds are hard to find. They're hard to find, right, unless you go to a school. Yeah, and at school playgrounds obviously do have And those. you can't do that during the school day. Correct. And other people are using it then. You list great, excuse me, you list great schools um, mm-hmm. as an issue, and uh, you credit the local public school district. Uh, you are also proposing something 
else. You're proposing the creation of a Fisher's Education Roundtable, which would be more than just the local public school system. You, you want other people and other entities involved in that. So first of all, I want to ask you to explain this proposal. Well, I think that our schools are great in, at HSC. And I think um, for many years, and I think still is the case, that uh, good quality schools and Fishers is, is, drives our economy. It's what makes people want to move here, makes them want to live here, makes some people want to stay here. Um, but at the same time, I think we can be more collaborative. I think that there's opportunities. For, let me let me say it this way: uh, the customers, taxpayers, don't expect government to operate in silos. Okay, they they expect government to to handle their needs, um, and they don't want to have to go to 10 different places to handle what government should be doing. So they shouldn't operate in a silo. So I think that you know the genesis of this roundtable is to get key stakeholders together, whether it be uh, other governments, whether it be schools, whether it be businesses, whether it be organized labor, Ivy Tech – and we need to make sure that you know that the that the city is providing the schools what they need, and the schools are providing the city from a workforce development perspective. You know, are they turning out the type of students that our employers want, that our employers can, you know, keep and retain our children, or to have them come back after college? Those kinds of things are important in a collaborative process. There's other financial ways that they, this could be beneficial as well. I mean, we could we could have a joint purchasing agreement, right? If if all of our governments, county, city, the schools are all buying, you know, the same stuff, can we, you know, buy it together and get a cheaper price, whether it be toilet paper or or whatever, right? You know, so you know, I would be in favor of investigating those kinds of things with with an education roundtable. Speaking of education, uh, on the same ballot where your name will appear will be a referendum mm -hmm. for the Hamilton Southeastern Schools. It's an operating referendum. They have to be renewed. The current one is, en uh, is, is expiring at the end of this calendar mm -hmm. year. So what is your view of the uh, referendum? I support it. I think explain we need to pass why. It. Explain why. Well, I th again, like I, the schools are our economic engine that makes Fishers go. And um, if if we don't pass that referendum, um, I don't know what the number is. Is it twenty six million that's yes. going to have to be cut? And mm -hmm. when you're cutting twenty six million, you're cutting teachers and you're cutting stuff that shouldn't be cut. In addition, that that referendum has a number of uh, safety measures that are important. They're adding uh, resource officers um, with the referendum, and um, you know we can't. You know, our kids can't learn if they don't feel safe. And so the more safety we can have at our schools, the better. So I'm 100% I'm supportive of the referendum. One main responsibility of a city council under Indiana state law is that city councils have the final say on any city budget. Now, the mayor, the way it works, presents his proposal. The council majority makes the final decision. 
And you do cite your family's experience that you've already alluded to uh, being a small business. So I didn't know it was paint, it's but, paint. I, but I, <laughs> I knew you had a small business uh, your parents owned. Uh, and you, you say that that's how you learned how to stretch a dollar. So I'm curious how you would approach uh, a city budget as it comes up uh, once a year. Well, I would take that approach. You know, I did grow up in a, in a small business, and it was it was a paint store, but it was also um, Nashville, Indiana kind of stores. They 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 had seven at one time, and and you learned a lot in that environment. You learned um, not only how to stretch a dollar, but um, you learned how to hustle. And um, and I'm very grateful to my parents for teaching me that lesson. Um, but probably the most important lesson that I learned coming out of a small business like that, which I'll take to the city council, is that you learn that it's all about the customer. And, and I've taken that approach to, to government in that the customer uh, is the taxpayer or the voter, right? And, and so you've got to be mindful of that. So – when it comes to the city budget, I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll take that frugal attitude and make sure that we're not wasting money, but that we're also investing in infrastructure that needs to be invested in um, to keep it all balanced. Um, so it, I see it as a challenge, but I see it as a great opportunity. Question about uh, the library: Would you support a change in the state law? allowing the city officials one or two appointments to the Hamilton East Library Board. Well, sure, if it'll help stop the nonsense. How would, what, how would you describe the nonsense? Well, I think what they're, you know, I think I, I, I'm, I, I, I don't approve of the censorship that's going on, and I don't, from a frugal point of view, spending $300,000 to do as been, that has been reported is a waste of taxpayer dollars. Yes, that's the figure that's come up in some of the board right, meetings I've attended. Right, right. Yes, uh, There's been talk about how the council appoints members that they have a, the appointment authority over for boards and commissions. Plan commission would be mm -hmm. one of those. Uh, Councilor Jocelyn Bear has argued in the past that uh, the appointments do not necessarily reflect the diversity of Fishers today. Fishers, the city council, has established a rules committee it's looking into this. How would you approach decisions of appointments and to what extent should diversity be a part of that decision when the council's making appointments to boards and commissions? Well, I would say that we need to be as diverse as our population and that it's you know, I said this at the at the forum at the Amon Center um, that um, it's up to the council members to reach out to our minority populations and and engage and understand about them uh, so that we understand their issues. But it's also incumbent upon us to be um, asking them for names of, of people who would be good for boards and commissions. So, you know, I would be in favor of, of, of reaching out to all our populations to try to get our boards and commissions as diverse as possible. But I've certainly enjoyed my time on, on the Planning Commission and the Fire Merit Board. I was going to say, how long have you served on those? Well, committees? as soon as we became a city, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. uh, the statute uh, required that, um, that, the, that the Planning Commission and the Merit Board have a Democrat and a Republican. So I'm a Democrat appointment on both boards. On the Fire Merit Board, I'm actually a representative of the 
of the union. So they the union gets two votes, a Republican vote and a Democrat vote, and they nominated me. And that was in 2016, shortly after we became a city. And the Planning Commission, I'm, a, I'm one of the two Democrat appointments uh, on the Planning Commission. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that state law does dictate a certain balance amongst the two parties on mm -hmm. many boards and commissions. Right. And uh, that's an example right there, which, you, which you've just described. Well, and well, kind of forces us to work in a bipartisan way to get things done, right? So The uh, cost and availability of housing uh, has, is an issue that has come up many times uh, throughout the city. And uh, based on a recent housing study that was commissioned by the city itself, uh, there were a lot of uh, conclusions reached there. So I guess the question I would ask you, based on, on what that housing – and it was, there were a lot of recommendations and findings, and I wouldn't have time to even summarize them here. What involvement should the city have in housing cost and availability? Well, I think there's a role for them, right? And I – you know, as a member of the Planning Commission, I voted in favor of that housing study that says that we need – that we have a shortage in not only senior housing but in housing for – for young adults, but the, the the biggest problem I see with our housing, and it's it's one of the reasons I decided to run, is that you know when I moved here 30 years ago, Fishers was a very affordable, low cost community, and now we're at a point where you know, and I paid under two hundred thousand dollars for my twenty five hundred square foot house, and just last week at the planning commission. Um, you know, there was a project that the 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 starting price was six hundred thousand. Flat the flat fork. The uh, flat fork. Planned unit right, development. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, you know, and they seem to be about the same size as my house, so I don't know if it's apples to apples or not. But w what I can tell you is that it's. Uh, I'm not sure my children, um, one of whom lives in my district, can afford to move to buy my the house they grew up in. Right, it's become that much of a problem. So we need to work at it. We need to work with our developers. We need to 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 do what we can to uh, try to build the right size houses. Maybe they're not three thousand square feet. Maybe they're short of that. And that's that was in the housing study. Maybe eighteen hundred square feet might get that price point down. But I think there's a role for the city um, because I think it's a real problem. I don't think it's sustainable to have the prices that we have for housing and fishers. Yeah, you meant that uh, flat fork development had two different components. One had the, the houses that were 600000 and up. That was the right. low, lowest figure and went up from there. But there was another section where uh, there were going to be ranch homes, and they were four hundred fifty right. to 550000 right. So for empty nesters like and me. Exactly. And, so that, and that's, the, exactly, that's the market. Right. Uh, and uh, affordability will become an issue there. And then the tag on to that, I mean, it's, it's to a point where, you know, the people that – a lot of the people that work in Fishers can't afford to live in Fishers. I mean, just take our firefighters, for example. I asked the, I asked the guys um, – like about what percentage of your firefighters live in Fishers, and the number they gave me was twenty five percent. That's low. Yeah. That's low, mm -hmm. and I think you know our first responders are and our teachers, but our our first responders are are eyes and ears of our community, and the more of them that we can have living in Fishers, I think we're all better off. 
you've been going door to door. You mentioned that mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, you've alluded to some of what you've heard. Uh, tell me some more. What are you hearing from uh, people that you talk to as you go door to door? Well, it's it's primarily three things. It's 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 um, it's spending, right? So there's, I mean, my my district is um, not only is our is our is our um, infrastructure and our housing and our and our buildings older because it's the older part of our, but our population's older too. Twenty five percent of my district is over the age of sixty five, and half of my district is over the age of fifty. Right, so I'm, I, I hear it on the doors that the cost of things, uh, you know, whether it be trash service or, or sewer bills or you know whatever it is that, that they're feeling a real, they're they're feeling it. Um, the other two things are the you know the the pace of the growth is is you know it happened really fast, and they're just not quite used to it yet, and our infrastructure hasn't caught up yet. Right, so there's a lot of angst about that. But then the third thing, which is probably the loudest that I hear, is is you know the the issues of the summer over over the library and the school boards. I mean, it's really coming out at the doors, um, and that kind of surprised me a little bit. People are paying attention. Um, um, they don't like uh, how it's hurt our reputation nationally and, and it's kind of taken a, a nick out of our Fishers is a great place to live, work and raise a family. Right. So our, our companies that want to come here, corporate headquarters that we need to attract here, are they, are they pausing because of this? I mean, the voters are thinking that. So our company CEOs thinking that and say, well, maybe I'll go to Carmel, maybe I'll go to Zionsville. Right. We need to, you know, we need to fix that problem. We're about out of time here, so my last question is the same uh, for all candidates. You have one or two minutes. Explain to me why voters in the uh, Southwest District Council District uh, should vote for Bill Stewart. Well, I've I've got a lot of experience. I've been uh, in the government sector for uh, my entire career over forty years now, and um, and you know I think that combined with the fact that I grew up in a small business. Um, it teaches you things coming out of a small business, and the number one thing it teaches you is you got to hustle. You got to hustle, and you got to hustle for the customer. And in this case, I'll hustle for the taxpayers, and I'll fight for the Southwest District. And you know, so one of the first things I'll do as a as a counselor, should I be elected, is I'll I'll do a needs assessment of of the district, and you know, from quality of life and infrastructure, and there are needs out there. I mean, Spyglass Falls is a perfect example uh, in my district. Um, they only have one egress, and um, and it's it's a problem. I stood out there at their inner inner uh, at their outlet to turn left onto 116th Street one morning, and I watched a car sit there for 90 seconds, hmm. and then when the car went, they had to gun it. So you shouldn't have to be Ari Leindyke to get to work or to get your kids to school. That's one place. Um, you know, and then the Parks neighborhood over on the west side of, of my district, um, they just had their streets repaved. But due to some technical glitch in, in when the streets were turned over to the city, um, they have these eyebrows that, you know, 
look like city streets to me. They're houses. Well, they had to pull $28,000 out of their HOA reserves to pay for that repaving while the city's paving the rest of the neighborhood. And I just, you know, so I think that's a problem. Um, you know, along a hundred, well, along Lantern Road uh, in downtown Fishers, there's no sidewalks there. I tried to walk door to door there, and it's dangerous, right? Um, so I've got a longer list too, Hickory Woods in, in the district. Um, they have a hard time going across Hague Road to to the church, right? I mean, Hague Road is a is a thoroughfare that. Is people go too fast on there, and there's really no way to, to break up the traffic. Uh, and then just last week uh, at Nickel Plate, or maybe it was the week before, you know, that Nickel Plate is a great trail, and I'm, and I'm a supportive of the trail, and, and, but, but it's not safe. That crossing is not safe, and there was a bicyclist hit last week by a car. And I don't know if, uh, you know, I talked to Hatem about it. He, t- he says he's going to you know, take some action and put maybe a, a, a better uh, sign there with flashing lights, and I, and I encourage that. But is that a place where, you know, once Indianapolis opens up that trail, it's going to get even more use, and 106th Street is a, is a congested road? Do we really need a tunnel there? Well, hot Tim, just so people know, is the director of engineering right. for the city. And I think he's doing a great job. Bill Stewart is a Democrat. He's a candidate for the Fisher City Council in the Southwest District. Bill, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate being here.